are back, everybody, and uh, it uh, it has been a, a light week on the obits, but or a light couple of weeks. But two giants left us, yeah. and um, one of them just recently, great Alan Arkin. Let's let's talk about Alan Arkin first, Tim. I, I, I have no idea why that was still so ludicrously surprising to me. How why how why that was just and I and it popped up on my feed like about four minutes after they like report four minutes and yeah. I, I was like. Alan Arkin, they got Alan Arkin, and and you know, and in in so 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 that series that he was in with Michael Douglas, uh, yeah, the Comiskey uh, method. method, and um, you, you know, the last um, uh, few arcs of that series, I don't want to completely ruin it for anybody. You know, there's there's an interesting storyline there, uh, and I don't know why, but 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 that came roaring back to me, and I was like, mm. man, that was so prescient, and. Um, uh, and for whatever reason, he was just one of those guys who was very present. He was never out of the picture. He wasn't one of those guys where you went away for 25 years yeah. and then you heard he died. Yeah. You know, no, he was just on the show right over there. You don't get, mm-hmm. get nominated for uh, you know, an Emmy or whatever the hell it is. Uh, and, uh, and so he was just in, 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 so it was just extremely surprising, um, for, for whatever reason. And, you know, look, um, I could go on forever about Alan Arkin. Um, and, and all of the great stuff. Bridget, uh, you know, my lovely wife, he, uh, she loved uh, Waiting Till Dark uh, in particular. So good. So uncharacteristic of him. <laughs> you know, playing that, playing that, playing yeah. that guy. That, that, and I don't know, I can, it's almost impossible, right, to really sort of work your way back through all of the stuff of Alan Arkin and, mm-hmm. figure, and figure out, you know, what's the it, most, the Alan Arkin that you love the he most. Played, he played Inspector Clouseau at one point, mm-hmm. shot in the dark. Everybody forgets that, you know, he, he stepped in there for a minute when, when Peter Sellers wasn't there. I mean, it's it, it kind of an amazing, and he did a great job and, you know, catch 22 and obviously, you know, little miss sunshine. He won his Oscar. Uh, yeah. You know, I always think of, there are two films that stand out for me. One is the in-laws. Yes. where he and Peter Falk are just tearing it up. And yeah. I know a good deal about that because, you know, Richard Libertini, very dear friend yes. of, yes. of mine and, and my family, uh, the late Richard Libertini plays the South American dictator in that, that ridiculous South American dictator. <laughs> and he plays it broad. And it's kind of a descending scale of comedy. Richard is just broad as can be with his little, you know, uh, Senor Wences thing with the hand and the paintings and all the stuff. He's really broad. And then Peter Falk is, you know, a little, still a little hot, but he's not that hot. And Alan Arkin has to be straight man to the both of them. Yeah. And I remember Richard, Richard just could not, it's one of the great experiences of his, his acting career was to be able to, to try to make those two break character and laugh. When they were when they were shooting, and man, Arkin just brought it. He was just stone cold in character, and it was you know he earned everyone's uh, trust. And my my other one, not a good movie, America's Sweethearts, not a good yeah. movie. Uh-huh. Alan Arkin is in it for a brief cameo. He's yeah. got like two scenes, but uh, he's hysterical because he's a guru in it. And yeah, you know he's yeah. got that long hair, and he's he's and you know he's 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 got two really hilarious moments where he says to John Cusack, he he goes, "There's a very old saying, Alaham, alaikum, alaikum. <laughs> and, and John Cusack goes, he goes, "What does that mean?" And he goes, "I don't know, but it's very old." <laughs> and, I mean, hilarious, and then and then when Billy Crystal says to him about John Cusack, he goes, "He's going to be okay, right?" <laughs> and Alan Arkin's standing there, he's holding like a fern twig, and he just sniffs it, and he says, life is a cookie. <laughs> and it's just so ridiculous, but it's so funny. 
and he and just it, owns it. He's just and all that. And, but then you you know, come forward, you know, twenty twenty. I guess it would be about twenty <sighs> years from that to the early nineties, and he's like this anchor in like Glenn. Uh, Gary Glenn Ross, yeah. like, you know this very sort of series, and, 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 and he has a, and he has a lot of those, you know, um, yeah. where where that whole range uh, is right there in Alan Arkin. Although he, you know, he he, he you, you really can't say though that Alan Arkin ever just sort of like played Alan Arkin. He was no. he, played, he played characters. He played he people. Did. You know, with, with and, the, and, and so effortlessly, so yeah. effortlessly, it was just such a. It's amazing. No, I'm going to miss him, but he left a legacy, a real yeah. legacy. And then Glenda Jackson, the amazing Glenda Jackson, you know, um, speaking of Richard Libertini, uh, his late wife, Melinda Dillon, was part of that same class of actresses in the 1970s. They all came out of theater and they just came storming into the movies. And, you know, it was a new class of actresses. And it was, you know, it was Marsha Mason. And it was Melinda. And it was Jill Clayburgh uh, and a few others. And, and Jill uh, Clayburgh and, and Diane Keaton. And Glenda Jackson was just like the towering cent- center of, of all of them. Mm. She mm. just, she was amazing. She was just a real presence. Yeah, that, uh, yeah, along with the, you know, on the, so on the, on, on the male side of that would have been like Hoffman and, yeah. and, 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 Hackman Hackman and, and all those guys, De Niro, yeah. sort of sense of realism, uh, a sort of yep. naturalistic beauty, um, yeah. um, that hadn't sort of been there before. And that was her, uh, look, uh, Glinda was, uh, an MP, uh, during the period that Maggie Thatcher, that Maggie yeah. Thatcher was in, I would not happen to be stationed in the UK during that period. And, uh, you know, now we go to all these guys. I, I work for this guy, uh, General Rudolph E. Wacker, and we would go to all of these events and whatever I was this. Uh, <laughs> and I would just see, I would, you know, I was, you know, you're standing behind the general holding his briefcase, doing whatever. And I would see all, and Glenda Jackson would be one, uh, who would come. Her and Maggie were on you know, opposite sides. Yeah. Of, like, you know, everything on earth. <laughs> but, uh, these, these two powerful and, 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 and interesting women all, all that long ago. And I think it's amazing that she made it back, and, you know, after she retired from politics or, yeah. or, or moved out of professional politics anyway, uh, it revived her career uh, in, in theater and, and a little bit of film yeah. and, and all of that bloody Sunday, man, you know, I think yeah. of Jackson, I think of bloody Sunday, uh, you know, they're women in love, but bloody Sunday. Um, uh, when I think of Glenda Jackson, no, she, she just, uh, women in love. I, for sure, it would be, would be my pick, but boy, I mean, so many, so many wonderful, wonderful performances. It's just, Gonna miss them both. Mm. Gonna miss them both. They're really, really great. Uh, let's talk just a little bit about. First of all, there was a little d- dust up over the fact that the French Connection had some uh, racial epithets censored on its Criterion Collection run, and it's still up there. And uh, some people wrote us and said, "Hey, what's going on? Is Criterion getting soft? What's the story?" And um, the the story appears to be that you know everyone has to understand Criterion doesn't do like they license these things so criterion will call up disney and they'll say hey we, you know could we could we get criteria uh, you know we're doing a thing on on method acting and hoffman is part of or uh, hackman is part hackman. of it and uh, you know we're doing a little series on method acting and we'd love to put french connection in there because it's got you know some great history and we got some material on it could we do that and disney will go yeah pay us you know x amount of dollars and criterion will negotiate and they'll come up with a license fee and then they they D- disney will deliver them the old master, the 20th century Fox master that they have of French connection. And sometimes what they get from a company is amazing. And sometimes it's terrible. Like during their, their Michelle Yeoh series, 
they're like uh, magnificent warriors. I couldn't believe what a great transfer it was. It was mm. unbelievable. It was phenomenal. And then like Royal Warriors was horrible. It was <laughs> dreadful. It was it was it was like somebody had taken a you know a VHS and transferred it to Super Eight and then you know flushed <laughs> it down the toilet and it was terrible. So you just never know what they're going to receive from the company they're licensing it from. This isn't Criterion putting their stuff out on disc. If it's their own library, they'll really go to town. But if it's something they're licensing for a series on Criterion Channel, it's different. And for whatever reason, somebody over at Disney got their hands on on French Connection and said, well, we're, we're going to have to clean this up for the kids, apparently. And uh, so it, it, they got a censored version of it. It's a little mm-hmm. bit of an embarrassment, but I don't think it will happen again. Yeah, it's terrible. And 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 and, 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 and let me just say it's bad um, in a bunch of different ways. So, like the thing itself, the the censoring of the language, particularly racial epithets and whatever that are in the French Connection. You, if you do that, then you undermine some of the intention of the film, mm-hmm. particularly mm-hmm. some of the intention of Ernest Tidyman. Yes, right. Who also wrote Shaft. Thank you. Uh, 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 so and so, Ernest uh, was there. Uh, you're writing uh, that script. You know, William Freakin and all that uh, and stuff. So you undermine this intention. And one of the one, one of the intentions of Ernest, the writers, the filmmakers, was to communicate what they felt to be the truth of the dynamic between the police mm-hmm. and various different communities. Yes. They're, they were trying to be realistic. You know, other films did the same thing um, at the period. You know, tried to... Yep. Uh, Serpico. Serpico is another one. Um, yeah. Oh uh, so, so, so this is intentional. The language is specific for a reason because what these filmmakers are saying, uh, you know, particularly artists, you know, who's black, so... Yeah, is... is um, uh, 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 these folks talk like this in these places. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, at the time, the police didn't care for, the, for, for that. This is what's interesting to me. Uh, it, they, they're censoring this language in 2023. In 1970, whenever this movie came out, uh, the police wanted to censor the language. Yeah. <laughs> they, you know, we don't want our we don't want our cops talking like that. Well, they shouldn't talk like that in bars, mm-hmm. <laughs> but they do, and you know they do. So, so it's really a sort of ironic sort of thing. Uh, this this, this yeah. notion of censoring this this film that's trying to speak to a truth of a thing. Uh, it, it's and it's going. You know, we can talk about the books and the you know the the rolled doll stuff. And I mean, everyone's getting a little bit over over sensitive about trying to preserve the commercial value of old material, which they th- in an era where they think it might offend somebody. But I think we're gonna. I think we're kind of gonna come back to the center here, where people understand that you've got to evaluate these works of art in a context. Yeah. And, and, and the, there is a, there is a, the, I don't, when I look, I was growing up, I remember watching the French connection the first time it, you know, aired on TV, heavily censored. Mm. And my parents were still really iffy about it. Like it had one best picture already, but it's like, mm, do we really want him seeing this? You know, it's mm. they, they knew what it was, what was going on. And even in that context, it was very clear to me that Popeye Doyle was not supposed to be my role model. (laughs) I was not supposed to be sitting there as a little kid going, hey, I like that guy. I want to grow up to be just like him. No, this is a crazy man who takes his police work so seriously that he is willing to compromise the police Mm -hmm. work to Mm -hmm. get it done. It is a personal obsession to him. It's not about the law. It's about about the victory for him. So so much so, it was even very clear to me, during that car chase, this man is breaking the law and putting every human being in that city at risk just to catch a bad guy. 
it makes, makes him a bad guy too. It, it, you freaking, uh, they want you to feel that. They, yes. Doing all of that, they want you to feel all of that, right? So the, the, this, him, uh, Dirty Harry, uh, you yeah. know, Clint over there. We, we are at a moment in filmmaking, uh, in narrative storytelling and these sort of dramatic, uh, um, you know, police procedures or whatever, where, uh, the, the, the creatives are trying to say something true or trying to say yeah. something true. true. And they're asking us questions about ourselves too. They're, 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 they're look, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do a whole film class here, but yeah. in my film class, when I've shown this film, these are the things that I tell my students who do yeah. question this. So like, you know, you're 19, 20, 20, whatever year old yeah. students, when they see this film, they want to know, dude, why, what's up? What's up with this film? I'm like, yeah, this film is a document. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, of, 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 of a thing that was true about a dynamic between the police force and communities in 1969, 70, 71, 72. And, uh, and what I think, and not to, you know, belabor it too much, but what I think people oftentimes miss about the French connection was that what it was doing in that moment in 1971, it was 71 that it won yeah. best picture. Um, what he, what it was doing in that moment in 1971 was something that cop films as recently as a year or two earlier didn't dare do. No. And it was, it was, and it was something that was, was a part already of the very early black exploitation films. They were trafficking in it because those were the themes that their audience understood, Mm. but mainstream films hadn't yet adopted that posture. And the French connection migrated it in many respects, the same way that, uh, that easy rider did. It migrated uh, ideas and attitudes and themes and behaviors from underground films, exploitation films, uh, and brought them into a mainstream to them to a mainstream audience. The and very notion of the of the antihero, you yeah. know, I, I think the term was probably found you created around right? then, yeah, yeah, yeah. The you know, and uh, wow. um, and what that even and by the way, you fast forward again, uh, well, I guess fifty years. To the wire and to the shield. There you go. That's the, the that's the legacy. That's, yeah. yeah, I mean, what are you talking about? You know, sure. leave, leave the movies alone. And then uh, update on the strike. I don't know if we have an update on the strike. SAG put it pushed things into the a little a few weeks, so we'll see where they stand in a week. I think, well, how do you feel about that letter that came out right before the SAG delayed? I think to the twelfth uh, oh, from the record file. Well, the the, the the thousand or so heavy heavy hitters. Yeah, actually. basically saying to their leadership, hold the line. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think they're itching to go out on strike. I think they want to join the writers on the line. I think Fran Drescher and the SAG leadership uh, who are negotiating, who are oddly enough all united on this front, they're, they're, it's the leadership that came from like two different factions in SAG, and they came together on this issue, and now they kind of find themselves pressured by the rank and file. I think they want a deal. Hmm. And um, the word that I'm hearing is, is that, that it's not close. It's really not close that they're they're kind of, you know, ticking things away at the edges. But the the real issues are remain unsettled, especially for writers. You know, the the minimum staffing thing for writers is just deemed a non-starter. Um, I think they're willing to do all the increased pension, health and welfare and all that kind of stuff for both mm-hmm. unions. But, you know, the, the the streaming residuals, that's a sticking point. And A.I. is a big sticking point. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they 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 really are. So it's I, I don't. I think SAG, I mean, I think SAG stands a very good chance because of that letter of going out on strike just to finally push it. 
to push it hard, going, joining with the writers. And that is a worst case scenario for the producers. I think they were happy to get the directors to settle first, which mm. they always do. Mm. And I think they want to pick off the, the actors so that they can put pressure on the writers and say, look, we've come to a deal with the other two. Now you guys got to bend a little bit. I think that's the idea is divide and conquer. And I think those actors who signed that letter understand that. Yeah, and that's why they want to they want to go out on strike because I think they feel that if they join the writers, they're all s- stronger for it. It's all leverage because, oh, generally speaking, they're more or less fighting for like kind of the same stuff. Yeah. Um. And 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 and, and you know what? Look, I this all these things and, and I, think, I think it was a mistake to push. I think they should have dropped the ball. They should have dropped a hammer. Uh, the first moment that they could drop the hammer. Yeah. Uh, let me tell you something. Uh, th- those Teamsters, uh, you over at UPS. Yeah. Uh, that guy who's leading them, he says, we are going on strike one second after midnight on yeah. whatever their strike deadline That's is. It. Like, yeah. and, he, and that guy is not kidding. No. <laughs> He's like, I'm, don't, cause they all didn't you know they had the strike authorization vote yeah. a long time ago. That's leverage. Yes. We will not be pushing this down the road. No. Uh, we, 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 we're going to go on strike. We will stop everything that moves in a brown truck or flies on a brown airplane. Uh, uh, in this country, one second after midnight, you have yeah. to be there, dude. Uh, and uh, you be and this. And on the other hand, I know how to fix all of this. I know how to fix. Let me, let me, let me tell you. If I was the <laughs> god of the writers' strike situation, this would probably work for the for SAG after two. What I would say to those to the union members is: This is what we're going to do, folks. Um, uh, you know, pensions and this, that, and and, and AI and, and 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 whatever. I don't know anything about any of that, but we're gonna we're gonna start paying actors a minimum uh, rate mm-hmm. of five thousand dollars a day. That's our, yeah. that that's that's your, your first job on your first five thousand dollars a day is what we're gonna mm-hmm. pay you cash money, uh, and 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 uh, the minimum the the minimum, uh, the, the, the minimum I, what my my point is I would I would just throw a ridiculous amount of cash at writers and at yeah. actors right up front. When, when you get hired to work on a show, uh, as you know, screenwriter, uh, no matter what the fuck you do, you're gonna make fifty thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. If you walk in and in, 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 in the room and sit there and do nothing, you're going to make $50,000. And if you front load the process with ridiculous amounts of money, I can promise you that qualms in, in, uh, around all of that back-end money, which yeah. is what writers really will go away. If I know that if I sell two scripts in a year, I can make six hundred thousand dollars. There you go. I won't fuck with you about shit that might happen thirty years from now. See, th- this is the thing that I think the producers have never fully understood, and and I, I, maybe they understand it, and they're just they're just being hard asses and and cruel about it. But the employment in the movie business, everybody thinks that you always oh, so much money, you just get rich so fast, and you're rolling in it. No, no. Here's the reality. You, you got people who will, and, and the tax structure doesn't favor this either. You'll ha- you have people who will sell a screenplay, $350,000, fantastic. Or they'll work on a show and they'll make, you know, $400,000 in a year. And you think, oh, that's amazing. You're, you're buying a car, you're buying a house, you're, you're making great. And then you don't sell another screenplay. Yeah, for or, five years. Or your show gets canceled. Immediately. And you, and you are, and, and now the tax man has hit your $400,000 for about 180000 Yeah. So, and your, your manager and your agent have taken out another, you know, 60000 Yeah, that's gone. Okay. So now your 400000 is under 200000 
and uh, you don't work for another two years. Yeah, may, might not, might not, dude. So, so now you are now you have now you have dropped into what in a major city like Los Angeles or New York would call low income. Yeah, it is not. It is. It is not the the the, the holy grail that everybody thinks it is because everybody kind of measures it by the people that they see uh, on TV and they read about in the trades. But you know, for the rank and file, for those workaday writers who just bounce from writers' room to writers' room who never sell a screenplay, mm-hmm. who only write episodes, mm-hmm. those directors who only ever write episodes, and those those actors who never become movie stars, who never get nominated for Emmys, who just go on auditions all the time and they wait tables or they do real estate or they become yoga teachers between gigs. Or even if they or even if or even if they become a a a, a, a you know a work a day journeyman actor. Yeah. Uh, even which you know it, it, it's the thing of this all of that used to used to make for a middle class uh, in, in, in Los Angeles, the Los Angeles, yeah. Yeah, 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 entertainment industry, middle class. Uh, and, and you can, you can live yourself alive, buy yourself a house, put your kids through, through, through college. You, you, you wouldn't retire. No, you weren't rich. You just had a life and it was a nice middle class life yeah. in the entertainment industry. That life is the life that's going to go away. Yeah. Uh, Shonda's going to be fine. You know, and, and what makes it all so much worse is when people then read, Oh, um, Ted Sarandos and uh, Reed Hastings each took a fifty million dollar bonus last year. Yeah, that's what pours salt in the wound. Yeah, because and, and because those bonuses would completely pay for. Yes, just just last year's bonuses. By the way, you don't have to do it every year. You know what? Take a take take a fifteen take a take a ten million dollar bonus each yep. a gigantic whopping ten million dollar bonus. Go ahead. In addition to everything else that you've got, uh, and take that other eighty million dollars and pour that into writer and actor pension funds and shore up the and pay and actual just pay. Uh, uh, yeah. Look, I'm telling you, man. If you front yeah. load all of this with just when you when you are working, we're gonna pay you. Stupid. I've had jobs yeah. like this for one thing. Uh, I've had you know, you know, several gigs uh, yeah. over the course of 35 years where, uh, look, man, uh, 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 there is no <laughs> job security here whatsoever. But this job pays $6,000. A week. <laughs> so, how, so, 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 so what do you want to do? I, I'll, I'll leave it at this, you know, because we could go on on this forever. But I'll leave it at this because my wife, who is a producer, uh, as I think everybody knows, um, she's been in those situations where people will say, They'll look at a budget that she's pulled together for a film and and they'll say, boy, you know, I mean, we see movies like this that get made for, you know, a lot less. I mean, can't you make this budget less? And her answer is always the same, which is no, because I believe in paying people. Yeah. And if you pay people, you get a good product. You get a good product. Yeah. Yeah. You get, you get people working hard at that job. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, um, and I look, I've, I've always done the same thing myself. So, so anyway, uh, that's, that would be my solution. Yeah. If anybody out there is listening, just, just, just front loaded with cash, man. Yeah. Loaded with cash. It'll come uh, to you. All right. What do we have? All to right. Let's, let's, let's hit some TV real quickly. Okay. Uh, we've got a couple of big season, uh, like all series, complete series box sets here that are, that are insane. So Bonanza is mm. finally and at long last, thank you, Paramount and CBS, is at long last out on uh, DVD. The complete series, excuse me, the complete series in four, it's just a giant, this thing is so heavy, I think you could, you could bench press it. 
Uh, it is 14 seasons in four of these big old keep cases in a sleeve. It is heavy. It is gnarly. Very smart. They got, you know, each of them on each of them stuck on a, on a, each of the three sons and then Lauren are all on a, a, a volume, uh, seasons one through four, five through eight, nine through 11 and 12 through 14. You know, I have a weird connection to two of these guys. Uh, which, uh, well, Dan Blocker Dan. used to actually live in a house across the street from my mailbox and uh, your mailbox is at the bottom it's the bottom of a road and yes yeah, yeah. it's far away from but it but he used to live in the house on the corner not when i was around it was like before i was born but he uh, used to live in that he used to live in that house well dan and, died uh, a long time ago i'll say all three sons are like big fixtures here in town because uh the, the so dan blocker lived there and then the beach further down in the city uh, uh just past pepperdine university is called dan blocker beach Oh, and the community center over at the ball fields is the Michael Landon community center. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. yeah. I knew Michael was. Yeah. And and then Pernell Roberts actually lived just up the hill from me, all the way through when I was in high school, and I used to see him driving his car up and down and up and down all through the like the Trapper MD days. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Trapper yeah, John, yeah. The Trapper yeah, John yeah, MD yeah, moment yeah, on TV. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah he li- he literally lived across the street from Linda Lavin. We had a few celebrities here on the hill, right? It was it was it was. Uh, it was Linda Lavin and Pernell Roberts and uh, uh, and Olivia Newton John and then uh, yeah, Olivia was down on the beach. I remember that. Yeah. It, it, so and and then you know a couple of a couple of screenwriters and you know so it was a little little Hollywood thing going on when I was growing up. But but man, Pernell Roberts was the meanest dude. Mm. He was just the meanest dude. And I don't know if anybody knows this, but there's a, there's a you know there's those that moment during Bonanza where he just disappears from the show. Yeah. And and you're like, oh well, where where where'd he go? Oh well, he and every episode they're like, I wonder, have you heard from him? Is he is he? Oh yeah, we just got a letter from him. He sent a telegram, and he's doing this, and he's doing that, and they're making up excuses literally every episode as to why why he's not there. If, truth was, he was just being a, a jerk. He was he was in a contract renegotiation, oh. and he just said, I'm not going to come to work until you meet my terms. And <laughs> and he held the show hostage. But the here's the thing about Bonanza, uh, which you know I don't I think gets in some respects it gets a little too much credit in some respects not enough. But uh, you know Gunsmoke and uh, the Big Valley and a lot mm-hmm. of these shows. Big Valley mm-hmm. was kind of a rip off of Bonanza a little bit. Mm-hmm. But but here's the thing about Bonanza. Bonanza drew an audience on Sunday nights year after year after year that d- today dwarfs the total number of people who watch all television on a mm-hmm. Sunday night. Mm-hmm. 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 You, you, there aren't the, the, everyone who watches television on a Sunday night, the total number of Americans now watching is dwarfed by the total number who watched just Bonanza in 1970. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a 30 plus share all the time. Uh, yes, and there was a smaller population there. Yeah. yeah small, you know, the, yeah, that being because we were, uh, and that was just extraordinary. Um, uh, uh, anything like that was extraordinary back then, but Bonanza and did it and did it for year after year after year. I'll say this. It should, they should, they should have come out with a Blu-ray. It's going to be like another year and a half before they come out with a Blu-ray. And they've been coming out with volumes of Bonanza now for like 15 years. People have been waiting for this for, for, you know, their kids are going to graduate high school. It's ridiculous. It should have happened a long time ago. 431 episodes, 14 seasons. 
And there's a couple hours of uh, bonus material here that's really, really sweet and nostalgic. And if you're a fan, just get this. Don't wait for the Blu-ray because it's going to take just freaking forever. If, if, um, if, if, if you if, if, if you happen to know, just because it's there on, on, on some on some press or whatever, uh, what's the what's the retail on that? Oh, boy. I is have it, no is, idea. Is it three digits? Yeah, it's three digits. Yeah, it's three digits for okay. sure. I mean, you know, you go to to deepdiscount.com and and find whoever has it cheapest, but it's it I, I think it's around 130, 150, something like that. Okay. I was just yeah. yeah. Uh and then we also have Parenthood, the complete oh. Parenthood. Bunch of episodes here directed by my friend Larry Trilling. Uh mm-hmm. some good stuff. And uh Parenthood, you know, not like the movie. It's it the TV series was a totally different thing, but ran for six solid seasons. It's on Blu-ray and uh comes from universal and uh a lot of a lot of you know this is a really sweet cast i i'd forgotten kind of what a what an endearing show this was and they uh they did a pretty good job it's a pretty yeah. good job yeah 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 lauren and monica yeah. Yeah. J- jason jason katums uh was the the central factor on this who uh co-wrote matt reeves directing debut the uh the pallbearer oh yeah um, yeah i remember all that very very well it was an interesting moment yeah, uh let's talk criminal yeah. minds evolution um you know season 16 I, this is now two seasons longer than bonanza i uh, it's a little too much uh true crime profiling for me at this stage but uh you know you tell me i don't know dude um uh, th- th- these things uh you y- all of them <laughs> yeah, sort of excuse me all, uh, yeah, um e- eventually become frankly just sort of maudlin you know i mean you're digging yeah. these sort of criminal these profiles are they and 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 ultimately i don't think that i i don't think that they're truthful at all the thing about all of these shows the ncis is the criminal minds yeah. the other uh, the idea was we're going to take you into the real way yeah, yeah. These, these things are done. We're going to show you how the cops are actually doing it. And you know what? I don't think they are. <laughs> I think they're making this crap up. I don't think I don't think any of this works this way. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, if so, so that's you know it's an interesting sort of thing to me. So, but anyway, whatever. Criminal minds. Uh, we've also Evolution. got we've also got the event. Um, you know, this was a. I don't know. This is from Mill Creek. It's on Blu-ray. the The event was an was an interesting. Um, it was it was an interesting attempt at something that I think kind of didn't really ever catch fire. They mm-hmm. they got twenty two episodes in. It was all kind of geared toward like a mystery thing. It was sort of it, it was m- trying to be a little bit like Lost in some respects, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. but it was really really. And I think it just became too much of a tease, and without any payoff, it was it was all oh, it was no all itch and no scratch. You cannot have a television series called The Event and never and get to the event. Never get to the event. Yeah, you know, this sort of, it's just this it conspiracy, and all. And and and, and, and I, I I felt like you know what they didn't know where they were going. No, uh, yeah. it was it was like a framework, an idea, and you know, and you know, you know Cash, you, you got Jason Ritter, and you know, all these people. All right, but they, they, no one, no one ever really knew what they were doing. No, uh, and there was no event. Jason Ritter is very good. Blair Underwood is very good. Um, everybody's very good, but yeah. it just it uh, it kind of well anyway. It's 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 an int- it's a it's a it's an interesting curiosity. This, is, this is the thing about uh, you know any sort of particularly a show like this. They, they cannot and the and the X Files did this to me. You know the, the X Files got to a moment of where you realize 
they were actually making it up. I mean, I know that they're, I know, <laughs> I know it's all made up, but, but you know what I mean? But yeah. you're, you're, you're actually making it up. Like, yeah. I think some of this you made up today, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, uh, and, and that's not actually storytelling. Yeah. So we got a bunch of uh, single season deals here. So let's start with the season one, the new Quantum Leap. Mm. Uh, your 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 dear Bridget was in uh, the. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes, played Anita that. Hill, played Anita Hill. That's um, right. Uh, 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 so 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 this look, they mixed it up. It's kind of interesting. I've en- I've been I've enjoyed it. It was renewed, by the way, um, yeah. uh, and I've enjoyed it more than I thought more than I thought I would. Although it is relatively speaking not connected to the original Quantum Leap, other than what what they're doing, jumping through time uh, into 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 you know uh, at all, just at all, yeah, yeah, which is which is is probably good. Just do your own thing. Uh, Sky Med, which is not on Blu-ray, the Quantum Leap's on Blu-ray. Sky Med is on DVD uh, from Paramount and CBS. Um, Have you seen Sky Med? Uh, and you, I thought one of these uh, uh, shows, you know, um, uh, high stakes medical rescues is what they call it. Yeah. And, and look, here's the thing about that. You've seen one of those. You've seen them all. I know. This you know, is, you, know, you can only drag somebody into the sky, or you, the plane I, can, will, can the plane land on the extremely short runway? I, yeah, it's gonna land. It's gonna I land. I grew up on emergency. I grew up on emergency. You know, yeah. and that was like a whole thing. Oh my gosh, it was like Adam Twelve, except they're saving people every week. You know, amazing yeah, yeah. crowd and burning. Oh, help me, help me! You know, dislodge them. And taking that show. And sticking it in remote Canada and giving them a helicopter, it's the same show. It's the same show. A little, <laughs> little bit with a, with, a, with a big, not a little bit, like a big dash of Baywatch because all of these yeah. people are just fine as hell. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, really? Every one of you extremely fine people decided what you wanted to do. I, I, now, here's the thing. They, they have a really, sw- I mean, I say helicopter. They have a really swanky plane in this it's thing. It's a plane, yeah. Uh, it's a plane. Uh, but but I know I know some pilots who watch this show who could not care less whether anybody gets saved. They're just <laughs> watching it for the plane. <laughs> so <laughs> They figure out a way to put these people in, like, bikinis and stuff at yeah. the lake in, like, every episode. <laughs> really? Every episode? Okay, anyway. Yeah. So we got another season one, which I never thought i'd see the day that sylvester stallone was on a tv show but here it is mm. tulsa king um you know i guess it was inevitable but but uh you know i was sharing over there doing doing getting there yeah you know man i just uh, it's a weird thing so you know stallone is this guy who's gotten out of prison and it all takes place in oklahoma because i guess they got tax credits and it's a whole it's a whole kind of it's like uh it's like the Sopranos set in Oklahoma, maybe yeah, is that a yeah. good way of putting it? Yeah, look it's the joke uh, being that he's just sort of, you know, out because he's been away in jail and he doesn't know that weed is is, is uh it's a, you know whatever the, the joke doesn't play yeah. for, 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 for for an entire series, right? Because yeah. come on, dude, catch up. First of all, if you want to be savvy on what's going on in the world, go to prison. <laughs> they'll, 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 you'll yeah. be caught up on everything in the world. But nevertheless, that joke can't just just can't keep playing. Yeah, I, what I like about it is that Dana Delaney's in it. Yeah, uh, and she's Dana Delaney. Oh, thank goodness for Dana Delaney. Now Stallone's not bad; he's fine. Uh, but but uh, you know, it just—I don't know. I, it's set in Oklahoma. No offense to Oklahoma. I got a lot of good friends who come from Oklahoma, yeah. family in Oklahoma, but don't really want to watch it every week. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. 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 The other they were going for—they were going for the Ozarks thing. 
But, yeah, but, I guess the, so. writing, but the writing isn't that clever. This no, it really no. is Guido in Oklahoma, old old Guido in Oklahoma. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's very Sopranoy. Yeah, and he's on the prairie by punching people or you know shooting them. Uh, we got a season two of La Brea. Oh my goodness! God, I just think this is the terrible, dumbest terrible show. show. This is an absolutely stupid show. Uh, I mean, it really is. So the big joke in Los Angeles is that that when you say, oh, let's go to the La Brea Tar Pits, La Brea means the tar in mm-hmm. Spanish. Mm-hmm. So the as as uh, as as uh, the the um, very, very funny humorist um, uh, Stan Freeberg uh, once said that when you say the La Brea Tar Pits, you are literally saying the the tar part tar tar pits <laughs> the, the tar tar pits uh stan freeberg did uh, Mary puma in uh, uh, looney tunes anyway so this uh, is season two of this weird show that's kind of like like outlander and uh it's uh, the time the, the, it's the land like of time movie. forgotten yeah it's yeah, like I mean, they, they when you when you decide that you're going to go to 10,000 BC, you've got to make an effort to to make me believe that we're in 10,000 BC, as opposed to oh look, they went and dug up some costumes from you know some old gladiator movie from the studio wardrobe department. It just it, it's it's not it's not convincing. It's hokey and it's very silly. But I guess people are watching it because this thing is it's coming back for season three, isn't it? Yeah, people watch a lot of really terrible oh television stuff. Sherman, our our, our homie Sherman, right? Yeah. Uh, there's a character in this that Sherman actually got the part, uh-huh. uh, and uh, but he turned it down because he also got the part on Into the Badlands. Yeah, uh, and, uh, and much better choice. Look, this is still going. Uh, he's on. He's on Stranger Things now, anyway, so it doesn't really make any difference. But, uh, but, but I'm, I'm like Sherman Burr. You, you dodged a bullet <laughs> because between Nathaniel Moon on Into the Badlands and the, oh, yeah. and the guy in this, oh my gosh, it's just oh. there's no, there's no, it's, it's a thing. Season three, we got a season three of uh, the L Word Generation Q on Showtime. Mm-hmm. Um, not sure we needed this, but uh, they can't come up with anything new anymore. I know, we, I, I know we didn't need it because 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 our good friend, my my, my great lesbian girlfriend, Bea, who I t- went to see this past yep. weekend, yep. you know, I told her about this, and she's like, "But why?" <laughs> I'm like, babe, you want to watch the L word? Because babe was big L word fan. I should actually take her to these lesbian uh, L word watching parties back in 2001, <laughs> 24, whatever the L word was out, right? Yeah. That was a big thing. That was a thing. And this is not a thing. <laughs> and, you know, it's too funny. Yeah, blood. it's uh, old. Everything that's old is old again. Yeah. Uh, and then we've we've gotten to a season six on SEAL Team with uh, David Boreanaz, and I've got to give it give credit to David Boreanaz. I think he sustains this. I I couldn't I can't believe this thing made it to season six, but there it is. Um, Dude, uh, David Boreanaz. Yeah. Along with we, I think we talk about this uh, occasionally. Along with Scott Bakula. Yeah, uh, are some of the uh, a couple of the wealthiest guys. These guys. They, so, so David David was 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 Angel on Buffy yep. for yep. several. He was seasons. Angel on Angel. And then he was Angel on these. Then he was on Bones. Then he was on Bones for like 10, 12 seasons. I know. This six seasons. If, if uh, let, let me tell you something. 
any person who was who's just a movie star during that period of time, maybe yeah. other than Tom Cruise, yeah. has not made as much money no. as David. He's an ex- executive producer on all these shows. Has mm-hmm. on all those shows. Scott Bakula's. He, he was on. Um, he was the first first Quantum Leap. Yeah. Uh, then he was uh, captain of the Enterprise. Yeah, uh, Scott, uh, and, and he's been down there in one on one of those NCISs in oh, New yeah, yeah, yeah. for about but a decade. Unreal. You know, five, six, seven, eight years, like literally forty years yeah. uh, uh, of television. These guys. It's unreal. It's unreal. I mean, yeah, and it's not a bad show. It's not a bad show. It's a little bit redundant. It's a little bit repetitive, but uh, you know, uh, it, it, they they've they've got a woman on it, so it's <laughs> it's not completely testosterone. But yeah. you know, uh, Seal Team season six. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, from Showtime, we got to speak, uh, which uh, you know, with Kristen Stewart. Uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, I uh, this, this. Yeah, this is this is one of those teen angst movies uh, that kind of just faded away on Showtime at one point. Mm. And I don't I don't think it ages terribly well, but they've they've released it. It's uh, you know, it's a it, it's a it's, uh, it, there's a party and things go wrong. And, you know, Kristen Stewart gets to act all angsty and teeny. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it's. Uh, in the in the Me Too era, in the moment that we are in, where uh, these things have con- almost saturated the media, I guess there's still some resonance to something like this, but it really does feel a little bit exploitive, despite mm. her otherwise decent performance. Uh, Ozzy and Harriet, season eleven and twelve. Um, this this crazy show just mm-hmm. kept on going. Um, you know, it's more Ozzy and Harry and I don't really know what to tell you, but it's, it's, uh, it, it's nice to have it out. Uh, this was kind of the original nuclear family show. You know, the fifties were defined by all the nuclear family shows, Ozzy mm. and Harriet and leave it to Beaver and the Donna Reed show. And then in the sixties, everybody got divorced and it was, uh, uh of course, father and family affair and the Andy mm. Griffith show and on and on and on. Mm, right so yeah, then, and, and the Brady bunch, right? Yeah. So it's a little funny how that happened that there, there's really a social trend there, but the original nuclear family show before everybody got divorced was Ozzy and Harriet. And mm. uh, yeah, of course this is weird because they were actual family. Family. Yeah, uh, exactly. You you wonder like, did they have any family time? Yes, 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 yes. All right, and then uh, I'm just gonna make quick work of a bunch Rick, of Rick, 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 Ricky Nelson. Yeah, had these twins. Yeah. And they were like rock stars in like yeah. maybe the eighties, maybe the nineties. I can't remember exactly. Yeah, my my uh, my wife was in high school with them. I think oh, they were younger. Yeah. yeah. They were younger. They oh, were younger. Okay. I think uh her younger her younger brother, uh, who you know. Yeah. I think they were in his grade. Okay, yeah. I think they were in his grade. I think they but they, anyway, they all yeah, they and they didn't have the long hair then, but everybody knew yeah. that. Like, oh, it was the Nelson twins. Yeah, yeah, the Nelson twins. Yeah, that's what yeah. it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nelson, remember Nelson? They they had that song and they're like yeah. rocking their hair all around, trying yeah, to do the hair hair band thing. Yeah. They had a little thing there for a second, yeah. So got a, got a bunch of Hallmark stuff here. I'm just going to make quick mention of it because it's all basically the same there. I saw a joke the other day that, you know, uh, the, the goal, the, like the goal for the Hallmark channel uh, in 2023 is to come up with uh, another plot. <laughs> Something like that. It was, it was anyway, they're, they're all, you know, sweet little romancy things. Um, find a couple of pretty people who work for scale. So, so, so there is got an original Hallmark movie. Oh my gosh. A Hallmark channel, original movie. Another one. Really? 
they make them like every six days. Uh, so this is called Taking a Shot at Love with Luke McFarland and Alexa Penavega. I'll let you guess what that's about. Yeah. I got one that's uh, holiday themed here. Didn't come out during the holidays. I don't know why. Uh, it's called Christmas Waltz. And uh, this one is with uh, Lacey Chabert, who we all love, and Will Kemp. And then uh, we have uh, another one with Lacey Chabert. This one is Lacey Chabert with Autumn Reeser and Allison Sweeney. It's called The Wedding Veil Expectations. A few of these (laughs) Wedding Veil uh, movies, they're all basically the same. Not sure what what makes them different from the non-Wedding Veil movies, but anyway. And this one is called Love and Sunshine with Danica McKellar and Mark Declan. Mm. And uh, I just want to point out, I really don't think that 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 after all these movies that there are any white actors left in Hollywood. I think (laughs) it's truly unbelievable. It's hilarious. Another Christmas one. uh, This is uh, with Candace Cameron Boer and Tom, uh, Tim Razan. It's called Christmas town. (laughs) Help us all. Um, Sign sealed delivered the complete series. This is a series, Tim. Mm. Uh, It's it's Canadian. And uh, I, I think there were maybe like five episodes of this thing. I, uh, it's same deal. Uh, we also have uh, now on, on DVD because these were not uh, good enough to, to actually put on Blu-ray, apparently. Uh, Color My World with Love, uh, a Hallmark Movies and Mysteries original movie. A Hallmark Movies and Mysteries original movie is fascinating. <laughs> it's and, and this one is like a romance between uh, two people with Down syndrome. So, so no. I, it, it's sweet, hmm. but it feels a little exploitative at the same no, time. No, very exploitative. <laughs> and then we have one called Love, Fall, and Order, which almost looks like a parody of itself. Uh, like uh, there's a dog in the picture, and I, I just don't, I don't, I don't know. It's like this it's a, it's got a whole Thanksgiving fall festival theme and oh my gosh Tim are you looking can you see what I'm showing you there's black people on that cover <laughs> wow Hallmark what's going on uh, Hallmark movies and mysteries to her with love uh, part of their mahogany line is that, is that are they serious with that really are you serious? Hey, uh, hey, yeah, partner. hey, yeah. Listen, back. hey, black folks want to get some of the Hallmark money too. That's cool. That's cool. Oh my gosh! Uh, no, we're fine with Hallmark. Oh, we're we're ribbing them. Knock, they, knock, they, knock it out. Knock it out. They Thank have you. a they have a role to play. Yes. <laughs> because look, and, and you or I have been lo- around long enough, uh, yeah, particularly during that first, the early VHS run. Yeah. Uh, when if if it were in a VHS store, it was it was a perfectly worthy movie to watch yeah, because yeah. there it was a movie, yeah. and, and you and uh, and then you know that kind of went away. And then when DVDs came around, there was a whole that that first straight to DVD uh, sort of run there. Yeah. There, were lot, there were a lot of decent movies in those runs, you know. Yeah. But there weren't there wasn't very much theatrical releasing, and no. and, and people would so you know uh, and and so there's you know there's space for all this kind of stuff. The audiences yeah. are very specific, and they generate enough dough to keep these movies coming. 
Very true. Very, very true. Uh, what should we hear? We got we got uh, new movies. We got Criterion stuff. We got a whole ton of stuff here. We got four, uh, 4Ks. Uh, what should let's, we let's, 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 look at, let's look at a few 4Ks. I see that John Wick uh, oh, Chapter yes. 4 is there. I got to yes. tell you, I dug John Wick Chapter 4. Uh, I I, it was too I, long. The screening uh, I was at, actually, they had uh, Keanu and Chad Stahelski were both there for Q&A afterwards. Oh, that's wicked. Yeah, it was great. I, I took the deem and it was it was hilarious. It was hilarious. Keanu is so loose now. Yeah. As opposed to, you know, he used to kind of be a little intimidated by the fame and didn't didn't like to do press and stuff. But he is so loose now. He comes to these things and he just starts riffing and he's 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 ribbing uh, Chad Stahelski. He's telling stories. He goes, I'm not supposed to tell this story, but let me tell you about this guy. And he's just he's laying it out there. It's really fun. <laughs> It's really fun. And he's loose in this thing, too. And he gives all the props to the uh, like, like the scene where, he, where he's rolling down the stairs yeah. over and over and over. And it's just brutal. And he goes, yeah, that was uh, that was my stunt man. And he lays it out. He goes, you give that guy all the props, man. He, he, just, <laughs> he just he just took it over and over and over. He, he's given all the credit to the stunt man. As opposed to Mr. Cruz. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. And he even, he was even making some Tom Cruise jokes. He like, people were like, uh, you know, did you do your own stunts? He goes, yeah, it's Tom. I don't, uh, I'm not going to do that. I'm too old for that. It's very funny. <laughs> and I just love that. Look, Tom, good mission impossible. Yeah. I guess we'll be out by the time this drops. Uh, uh, you, yeah, yeah. you know, look, God bless Tom, but Tom racked his nuts up. <laughs> <laughs> back there a while ago doing that so Keanu was like nope I like walking but uh, yeah the, you know the, the, this should be the last chapter but they keep you know as long as they keep making money they're going to keep making these things no there's a lot of fun stuff in this thing and uh, I think uh, Skarsgård is a good heavy you know we saw that already in the It films but he's not he's not a clown here he's just you know, the whole the whole mythology of John Wick is really what makes it so much fun. I mean, yeah. it all started with a guy who got pissed off because he killed his dog. Yeah. And and uh, it, the whole mythology of this worldwide assassin network where quite literally almost like, like yeah, if I'm watching this, I'm thinking, am I the only person who's not getting a piece of this assassin money? Because I'm feeling really left out. Everybody seems to be an assassin. Everybody seems to be in on the uh, in on the bounty. Yeah, and everybody also seems to be willing to kill each other. <laughs> that seems to be a perfectly sort of socially acceptable sort of thing to do, uh, which is uh, which is uh, anyway. It 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 it, uh, it, uh, it you know it, it goes way way over the top. Uh, one of the one of the one of the last films of the wonderful late uh, Lance Reddick. Yeah, uh, oh, in, so in, good. In, he was so good. Yeah, I'm gonna miss him, man. That's uh, yeah. that is that is a, he's a fine actor and and kind of the heart and soul of the of the series because yeah. he was he was the only he was the only guy who really seemed to have a moral center, you know. Yeah, uh, he's he, like he, I, he, I, he's I, I'm, I'm actually doing this for real. Yeah, you, you people seem to think this is a game, and he's the only one who didn't who never betrayed John. He never yeah. he never turned on him. Yeah. So that's very sad. But anyway, beautiful Ultra HD transfer. Uh, you know, we'll probably get a bigger box set, a complete box set with the whole 4K thing. And the first three had their own box set, but they're going to come up with a new one uh, holiday season. Just wait for it. We'll get this in, in, in another one. So you might want to wait to upgrade. 
but uh yeah you know it's got a share of extras and stuff on it uh exactly what you'd expect it's all kind of behind the scenes stuff and uh, donnie yen is terrific in it mm-hmm. donnie just keeps on going jackie chan and jet lee they their their careers have more or less mm-hmm. long since expired and donnie their contemporary is having a lease on life like nobody's business so those stunts caught up with jet and oh. jackie all that big stuff you know donnie yeah. always kept it sort of tight and close and he did and you know yeah i see you got the trans Transformers uh, box. Yeah. yeah and yeah. of course, you know, Rise of the Beast is actually doing pretty good. Is I, it? Yeah. They're making a few bucks out there right now. I'm, I'm super duper surprised. But, uh, you know, among the, among the, you know, your Raiders didn't, didn't know so well. No. Uh, Rise, uh, Rise actually made more money than it. Uh, on That's the, fascinating. That is yeah. really fascinating. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they keep trying to squeeze the, the, and they reinvent the Transformers thing every so often, right? I mean, mm-hmm. the only thing that's constant between these are the Transformer films. Mm-hmm. Mark Wahlberg isn't in here, and they gave up on Shia LaBeouf a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, you, ever, you ever see that? that compilation uh, stuff of, of, of Shia in all of his Transformers movies. And it's just, it, it's a compilation of every moment where Shia is running and going, no, 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 no. <laughs> it, goes, it, goes, it goes for like seven minutes. It's just Shia LaBeouf running, going, no, 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 being ch- and being chased by robots. It's hilarious. Oh, I love that. I gotta see oh, that. anyway. Um, yeah, six Transformers films in this uh, big old box set. 4K with digital code, uh, Blu-ray Ultra HD combos. And, uh, you know, I don't care for these films at all, but, mm-hmm. but, you know, a lot of people love them. And if giant fighting robots is your thing, then just knock yourself out. Uh, much more my speed, if we could just uh, go there for a second. Uh, the 100th anniversary 4K releases coming out from Warner Brothers, I think, are are pretty sweet. There's a lot of really, really fun stuff there. And uh, two of them this week, we've got uh, a newish film, Evil Dead Rise. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, you know, kind of in the vein of the original Evil Dead. Uh, mm-hmm. Not nearly as good. I guess for fans, it's fine. Movies Anywhere code on this thing. You know, it's okay. It, it's the same mythology. It's a little silly. It's a little scary. Mm-hmm. But much more my speed, Tim. Mm-hmm. Vacation. National Lampoon's Vacation. Oh, yeah. Chevy Chase. Written by John Hughes. The original. Uh, absolutely. I love this movie. I, I love it more now than I think I ever have in my life. Uh, Harold Ramis directed it just beautifully. I mean, you think about that. John Hughes, Harold Ramis, Chevy Chase, mm-hmm. National Lampoon branded crazy movie where he's, you know, uh, he's not anybody's idea of a good dad. But boy, what a funny movie this is. John Candy has a little uh, brief cameo in it. Uh, I just Imogen Coca's grandma, so funny, so unbelievably funny. That was fantastic. It was just yeah. wonderful. And it looks so many uh, the guys who are gone now. Uh, yep. William Hickey. Yeah, uh, along yeah. around the just going. Doris Roberts is walking around yeah. this movie. Uh, Randy Quaid is still around, but he's you know not still around. Yeah, <laughs> depending on how, in a certain yeah, sort of way, true. Randy. In a certain sort yeah. of way, Randy's gone. <laughs> that, yeah. that was mean. I shouldn't have said that. Anyway, but you know yeah. what I mean. Uh, yeah. yeah, oh yeah, I know we get it. It's just a really, really fun film, and um, I, it's silly. We don't have silly comedies like this anymore. So I, yeah. it's an it's a I, nice. We've got Johnny Galecki played Johnny Galecki played Rusty because they because yeah. they swap Rusties somewhere. They they, uh, they, they, uh, they change Rusties for for after this one. Yeah, 
after this one. Yeah. So that was Johnny, yeah. man. Johnny, Johnny, Johnny's done well. Johnny's still around. Yeah. A new film, Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves uh, hmm. on 4K. Absolutely ridiculous. Just as bad as the previous Dungeons and Dragons movie from about 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Absolutely stupid beyond belief. Uh, I, I don't even know why they keep trying. They, they just wanted to brand this thing. It's a whole lot of actors who should have known better. Uh, you know, it's it, it's a mythical quest. Something's going on, and you know, there's a there's a whole thing where um, where uh, what's his name's uh, daughter, uh, Chris Pine's got a daughter, and he's got to leave her behind. And uh, when they he becomes a fugitive, and then he's got to put a team together to get her back. And uh, you know Michelle Rodriguez is like playing oh, tough, God. which she always does. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, then the the the, the hot guy from uh, the, the oh, Netflix yeah. show shows up for sixteen seconds. Yeah, the, he shows up for sixteen seconds, and you know smiles, and it, it's just. It's just dumb. It doesn't make any sense. And things turn into dragons. And I hated this. I hated every second of it. I painfully bad sometimes, too, really. There's that whole sequence uh, when they're supposed to go on trial. They're up there and they're, gonna, they're doing this whole joke about oh, him because he's waiting. Oh, it's, what's his name supposed to be? You know, it's this whole sequence. And I'm like, this is, I know that this is supposed to be a joke, but it's just not funny. There's like this race of witches who are double crossing. The I, I couldn't keep up with any of it. It just didn't, you know, it's I'm too old for that stuff. Um, the creep show. We got a 4K of uh, oh, yeah. creep show collectors the, edition. 1982 creep show. The old 82. Yeah, yeah. This, is, this is a Scream Factory Shout Factory release. Pretty great. A ton of extras on here. Huge amount of extras. Uh, the uh, fantastic scan from the original camera negative is just gorgeous. And a George Romero and mm-hmm. uh, Tom Savini uh, commentary is just fabulous. Got another commentary with uh, the director of photography and a third commentary with the uh, construction coordinator and the first assistant director, which is okay. Mm-hmm. It, but it's it's really the the uh, Romero and Savini uh, commentary that you want to listen to. That's the the brilliant one. And you know what? This is a really sharp film. It's a it's a fun. It's not scary at all. Never was intended to be. But yeah. um, Stephen King, the the, yeah. the story in here with Stephen King, and probably the only thing that he's ever acted in, yeah. is hilarious. Yeah, when he turns into the yeah, still so good and so funny. Anyway, tons of interviews and featurettes uh, galore. It's just it's a it's a fan's cornucopia of goodies. Uh, definitely check it out and a really really great 4K transfer. Mm. Terrific 4K transfer. Uh, did you see the Mario? Brothers movie, Super, uh, Super I, Mario Brothers movie. Yeah, I, I did not. It also made money though. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, among, among things that are that are doing well, you know, comparatively speaking, Mario Brothers movie, movie doing good. Did yeah, good. I, I, uh, I did not see that coming. I really didn't. I mean, yeah. I'm usually pretty good at getting in front of things, but man, I uh, this this thing just blew the doors off and uh as opposed to the one from what 30 years ago um yeah uh, with with the live action thing with uh, john legazama who's all who you know i i gotta say this look i love john legazama but but let he he's apparently really really pissed off that they didn't bring him back (laughs) to play to to, to, because he says i thought we're we're in a diversity moment it's like (laughs) dude you're 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 Puerto Rican but or Colombian. He's like half Colombian or whatever. But but these are Italian plumbers. 
not Italian. Like, what? What are you talking about? You, you weren't Italian the first time either, by the way. Like, you weren't Italian, but you, but you neither, neither played, was Bob Hoskins. No, but he also played Toulouse Lautrec in yeah. in Moulin Rouge. So, yeah. what? What are you whining to stop? <laughs> you know, you have a great career. Don't be that guy who just whines at every job you don't get. You you get great jobs. He's like Azamo. I, 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 I still agree with him about um, what is it? Castro. <laughs> Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. James Franco's yeah. Castro. No, nope, yeah. I agree with yeah. him on that. One. That's crazy. Yeah, uh, yeah. But, but anyway, this movie made money. Uh, uh, Chris Pratt and Taylor. I don't know. It's just really weird. Uh, you know what is doing well, and and, yeah. and, and what is I agree. Is, is not this uh, into the Spider Verse. You know, both animated, yeah. obviously, yeah. Uh, but but completely different audiences. I think. Yeah. I guess I don't know. I, I don't know yeah. the audience for this Mario Brothers movie. Is this is this a hero movie? This is, this would not be hero, would it? No, it's just a big video game, man. It's just a big uh, big three D video game. No, but I mean, hero, your 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 daughter, which she would she is oh, no, she wouldn't get near this. Yeah, right. That's you know, so, right. This, you know, this, is the movie, this is the movie for grownups, I think. You know, is she literally? She's ten years old. You know, she says last night this is the funniest thing. I'm like, oh no, is this what I've raised? She, <laughs> she says, and you know, she loves all things Disney, or at least, in, at least as far as the parks are concerned. Hmm. But she, she says, wow, they've got to stop making sequels. They don't have any new ideas. <laughs> and I thought, oh, Disney, you're in such trouble. If a 10-year-old old is saying that, you're in trouble. That is so sharp. So sharp. They Love don't it. have any new ideas. She's very disappointed. They don't uh, have any new ideas. As well, she should be. It's very yeah. sophisticated. It's very sophisticated. Uh, also, from the uh, wonderful people at uh, MVD Visual, we have a 4K of Rain Man oh. for Academy Awards, including Best Picture, uh, which may be one of the best performances Tom Cruise has ever given. Because, mm. Uh, mm. And, and you've always pointed this out. Yeah, and, and I thank you for it. Is that everyone's always like, oh, it doesn't happen, doesn't happen, oh, it doesn't happen, so amazing. And you're the guy that was always saying, you realize that Dustin Hoffman is 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 doing a shtick. Yeah. Tom Cruise is the one who's really acting in this. Yes, movie. yes, he's carrying like, this he, whole movie. He carries the whole movie. He really <laughs> does. Dustin's just standing over there with that bit he's doing. Yeah, uh, and uh, and we all we love the bit, but it's a bit. And yeah. uh, and you know, you pick a bit, and he picked a good bit, and then you just do the bit. It's like my left foot. You know, uh, you yeah. look. I, I love that. But basically, homie's just going to lay there on the floor. Yeah, uh, and uh, you know, <laughs> and swing that foot around. And, 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 and it's a thing and it's intense, but it's a bit, you know, yeah. and, uh, and and meanwhile, uh, everybody else in this movie is acting their asses off. <laughs> you, you know? It's I'll tell you, w watching this again, when it gets to the big emotional payoff at the end and it gets you, it really does. I mean, that's why this one best picture mm. and this one best picture in a year where Mississippi burning was expected to be a runaway hit until somebody raised their hand and said, the white FBI guys are not supposed to be the heroes of this story. Yeah. And everybody, everybody got guilty and was like, oh, you're, what else is there? Rain Man. And everybody turned their attention to Rain Man. And yeah. there is that emotional payoff at the end, which is yeah. a, it's a kicker. But, you know, there, it's not Dustin Hoffman who earns that emotion. It's Tom Cruise who mm -hmm. earns that moment. Mm -hmm. and, and it does a thing that movies did it new to do. Barry Levinson, obviously. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it does a thing that, that it's interesting that it knew to do way back in 88 that, yeah. that, that the Hollywood forgot about later when you get to things like uh, Beautiful Mind or whatever. Yeah. Um, uh, it, 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 
Barry, uh, they, he knew, you know what? I, I, the love of a good brother uh, is not going to fix mm-hmm. <laughs> what's wrong with Raymond. Yep. Uh, this is Raymond. And he will always be this way. And 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 Tom Cruise, uh, you know, he's, he loves his brother, but he but he, he realizes yep. uh, this this he's always going to be this way. And uh, just because I love him, hey, that ain't going to fix him. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have to deal with this shit. That's all there is. To true, it. true. Twenty uh, fifth anniversary. I hate to make us feel old, but twenty fifth mm. anniversary of the Truman Show. Mm. Um, uh, you know what, Tim? This movie holds up. Yeah. It's kind of faded a little bit. Peter Weir working at his at, at maximum capacity. Everybody was involved in this. This is a classic Hollywood studio film like they just don't make anymore. Late 90s, mm. just killing it. Scott Rudin producing. Andrew Nichol wrote it. Peter Weir directed it. And it has got uh, Jim Carrey in an amazing dramatic performance. Mm. It's got Laura Linney. It's got uh, Ed Harris. Mm. It's got uh, oh, Alan Taylor and Natasha, Natasha McElhone. You, you, I mean, this movie today, this movie, Paul Giamatti. Uh, we watched. There's a Black Mirror. It's a, you know, Black Mirror dropped. Yeah, there's a Black Mirror, and that dr- Black Mirror is holding completely a reference. Yeah, to, to Truman Show. Yeah. Now, 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 if if you never, if you, you wouldn't know that, unless you know, tw- what do you say, twenty fifth, twenty fifth, twenty fifth, twenty fifth anniversary? Yeah, because I don't know. How many, but but I can think of at least a dozen uh, either other movies or television um, uh, programs or references to things that speak to the Truman Show. Sometimes by simply just just having in dialogue the word. Truman, the, the phrase Truman Show. Yeah. And you know, you, you, I guess you got to be a certain age, but you know what well, they're talking about. It, 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 it happens at least once a month that I will hear somebody just casually, and they're always someone of a certain age, but someone just casually go, man, I feel like I'm in the Truman Show. Yeah. yeah right. It's become for a certain generation part of the vernacular. And of mm-hmm. course, you know, if you, if you don't know what we're talking about, then you, you, yeah. you need to get this. You should watch that movie. Yeah. It's just, and it is a Great, great uh, 4K transfer. Paramount uh, doesn't always do the best with their 4Ks, but man, they really did a great job here. Peter Weir, who should still be directing a lot of movies, but is very frustrated by the way uh, the state of Hollywood. But man, mm. really great. Andrew, uh, and it's an original, an, an original screenplay too. Yes. Again, back then you could just have an idea like this, uh, you know, write a really, really great screenplay, mm-hmm. and Hollywood yeah. at the at the biggest level would take this really forward thinking sort of high concept that's what they call this kind of stuff back then high concept uh, uh, and, and and let you make it today you can make this film because it would no. have to be based on a graphic novel exactly uh, or a book or something but uh, and they would let you do it I you know I don't know why Andrew Nichol doesn't have the same kind of career as a, a Tarantino Mm. or as uh, Christopher Nolan. You know, these are the guys who are sort of our, our big auteurs of the moment because Nichols every bit is as visionary and writes just as well, if not. Gattaca, dude. Yeah. You know, well, yeah, yeah, let's yeah. let's we also have a steel book coming right here in my hand. Best Buy exclusive um, Lord of War, which he wrote and directed mm-hmm. uh, with Nicolas Cage in one of his last great real performances as an arms dealer. Mm-hmm. An international arms dealer. And this is a, I mean, this film loosely playing that guy. We traded loosely. Yes. Playing that guy. We traded um, yeah, for, for, for yeah. somebody. I don't know. We traded yeah. with the guy with Victor boot. Yeah. 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 
And I mean, this is this is such a prescient movie and uh, 4K just kills it. It's beautifully done. Some great performances in here by people we forget were even in this thing. You know, Ian Holm is in this thing. Mm. Uh, Ethan Hawke is here, you know, from Gattaca. Uh, Jared Leto is in this thing. I mean, this is a really, really rock solid film. Beautifully shot by Philippe Rosselot. Just beautifully shot wonderful 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 4k transfer great audio i mean it just kills it across the board so that's a best buy exclusive if you want to get that but man andrew nickel i i miss i miss him making bigger movies i wish he'd kind of get a get a second wind at some point uh, and then lastly on the 4k front here insidious is on 4k in a steel book i gotta the see the new insidious film for for the radio show this week next week yeah what did what, what why the red why? door or something like insidious the red door help me help me understand the appeal <laughs> i i just don't get it uh, you, 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 me, me, me either so i'm, I'm kind of with you there. The, the original one you know yeah 2010 i guess the thing uh, patrick wilson's is patrick is patrick in all of them um, yeah uh, i think patrick wilson is in all of these things if i'm not uh he, yes he is uh and uh, he's know, in this one at least yeah, yeah, yeah the original yeah, yeah. And they sort of like 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 carry over. i don't know i mean um, james I'll, I'll, I'll say this james wan is a very very good director with yeah. these kinds of films whether yeah. it's the the whatever it is the the hearkening the awakening whatever the 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 you know the, that other one um, uh, yeah yeah the conjuring the conjuring, uh, the conjuring yeah yeah yeah, the yeah something yeah uh yeah you know with that or the saw films i mean james wan has this down he's a very very adept director with this kind of material yeah. i just don't like the material yeah I've, I've never been into this into this into this particular kind of stuff but i understand you know what a spiral and and uh, yeah, I think he's. I think he. I think he's. Uh, I think he's one of the producers over there on Megan. Do you see Megan a little? Yeah, 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 it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah it's, totally. It's, it's what they do, you know. It's what they do. Yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, let's see what else we got. You know, a few, a few docs and and uh, a, a concert thing here, real quickly. Let me just mention uh, the uh, the comedy specials that they are releasing now from Mill Creek. Uh, they've had a few of those, and uh, they got a new one. Maria Bamford stand up mm. spotlight. Two comedy specials. Uh, very funny. I love Maria Bamford. Uh, right. it, those who don't know Maria Bamford, she does this thing with her voice, which is just surreal. It's like when she turns it on, it, it slays. It absolutely just kills. And no human being should be able to reproduce that sound. <laughs> so it's truly, it's it's hilarious. I think she's great. I love her. I think she's really funny. And this is, uh, this is a good disc to have. Um, some docs here real quick. A Life's Work from First Run Features is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful documentary. And it's uh, it's basically looking at a, at a group of people who have dedicated their lives to doing um, specific things that are just off everybody else's radar. One of them, for example, is Jill Tarter, who uh, directs the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence, mm -hmm. uh, the SETI Institute. Um, you also have uh, the people who founded the Champion Tree Project. Mm -hmm. um, you've got um, music archivist Robert Darden, who founded the Black Gospel Music Restoration Project. Um, all these people, they 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 are inspired by things and they inspire others. And it's a really, really interesting uh, subject. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a really, in, just the topic is about people who are passionate and, mm -hmm. and, and passionate about things that maybe a lot of other people wouldn't be passionate about. And, and, and things that, 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 that can't be completed. Uh, you, 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 yeah. Probably, 
uh, your lifetime and, and their lifetimes can't just literally can't be completed. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and uh, the, there you are doing this thing uh, that uh, you, that you almost by definition can't su- quote unquote succeed at. Uh, and right. the question is, you know, it's very interesting stuff. And then we've got um, Muhammad Ali, a.k.a. Cassius Clay um, Blu-ray of this, which is kind of a sort of a a strangely forgotten film. But, um, you know, really, um, if, if you don't know this history and a lot of people don't, a lot of people grew up just knowing him as as Muhammad Ali, but there's a, there's a really fascinating trajectory and a duality to his life. And it, in, in many respects, it's almost a counterpoint to that of Elvis Presley. Mm. Uh, if, you know, I've always looked at the two. I mean, I think maybe because my father always made that a point of reference, you know, admired the hell out of them both, but, but always underlined that, you know, each one had a very, very different attitude The the military, you know, one of them served voluntarily in the military and the other one said, I don't want to go kill people who haven't done anything to me, mm-hmm. you know, a uh, very, very interesting life. And, uh, this is a, this is a really great, um, a great, a great look at the, at the not just the man, but at the phenomenon that surrounded him. I guess mm. is maybe the better way of putting it. So, mm. um, yeah, a lot of aspects of of, Lee, of uh, Muhammad Ali's life that are uh, that are illuminated here, and I think this is a really sharp sharp film. Mm. Um, let's see, uh, last two here: um, Matter Out of Place, which is from Icarus. Uh, this is uh, a strangely poetic kind of essay documentary film um, about garbage. Mm. And uh, it travels all over the world and goes to all the, the most far flung remote places to see and to poetically photograph what they, how they dispose of their waste. And you forget that, everybody's got to get rid of their trash mm. no matter where you go in those beautiful places they've got trash and they got to get rid of it somehow so this shines a light on a very very interesting topic and a, and a strange problem that we don't often think about we like to kind of pretend it doesn't exist so mm. um yeah and it's it's a little too pretty but what a fascinating film and a fascinating topic and then the last one here is uh, Kubrick by Kubrick, which is a uh, from documentarian Gregory Monroe. This was at Tribeca a couple of years ago, three years ago. And uh, the Michel Simon book mm-hmm. on Kubrick, which was revised just uh, at the very end there to include some Eyes Wide Shut stuff. But um, that Michel Simon book was my Bible growing up. I read that thing. I looked at every page of it, the photographs, the comparisons, the essays, the analyses, reading the interviews. And uh, Michel Simon, um, whom I've actually met, I met him at Cannes uh, mm. some years ago, um, conducted some really amazing interviews. And they use those interviews as the, the basis for this kind of essay study of Kubrick uh, in film form. And this may be, for my money, the best movie about Kubrick and his films mm-hmm. ever made. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I would highly recommend it. Uh, it's only an hour long. It's, it should be longer. But and there's probably a better movie to be made at some point in the future. But for now, this is the best we've got. And I wish it was on Blu-ray. It's not. It's on uh, DVD. But you know, in the absence of anything else, it's pretty great. Most of that, most of that, a good chunk of that hour are things that uh, I simply have never been heard. Uh, are, are, are recordings uh, of 
Kubrick, uh, mostly audio, but nevertheless, and have never been heard before. So it's it's a it's a it's a worthy hour just in that you will not have heard yeah. most of this before. Yes, very very true. Uh, let's hit uh, some new films, and then uh, we'll probably call it quits after that. Uh, let's see. All right, uh, I, see, I see you got I see you got X there, which I thought was yeah. a really good. Uh, 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 Mia Goth was fantastic in that film. It's from that guy T. Yeah. Uh, what, what's his name? T I or T T West? T West. T West. Yeah. Uh, uh, and what I love love about this film these these these, these people are going to go out on this farm and make this porno. It's all set in about 1978, 79, something like that. And Kid Cudi is in it. He's really good too. And Britney Snow and right. And they're going to go out there and make this porno. What I loved about it is that it look like a film. This film looks like a film that was made in the 70s, right? And then when we see this footage of the little porno that they're making, yep. it looks like one of those pornos that they made in the 70s. Yeah. You know, they changed the, he changed the frame and it's all, all color. I'm, I'm, and so both of the, it looks like the film, it looks like it's set when it's set, and then it looks like it's doing what it's doing. Yeah. And then there's this creepy couple and uh, it becomes a horror movie. And then we've and then we've got transfusion with Sam Worthington, whom nobody recognizes anymore because uh, he's always hidden behind blue CG in those Avatar movies. Yeah, man, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm glad he gets paid well. For those. He's still, you know, I hope so. Because they have really uh, tracked up his career. Yeah, well, you know, he was originally supposed to be Mad Max in, in uh, Mad Max Fury Road. He was yeah. the original guy cast. I don't know why he fell out. He's Australian. You would think, but I don't know. Oh, I don't know why, but anyway, go on. <laughs> so he's uh, this is just a generic this movie's called transfusion it's generic uh you know action thing he's a special forces guy um one more mission you know one of those mm. movies um it's a payday yeah 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 i like the guy he plays in this though he's this dad yeah you know he's got this kid and and his kids like posing completely not like him yeah but he's kind of okay with that yeah, you know, takes his kid yeah. out to go to go to go hunting in this one scene, right? And in the, in the, yeah. it's a scene you've seen a thousand times. Kid has a gun. The deer is over there. He's going. Kid's supposed to shoot the deer. Kid can't shoot the deer because kid's yeah. not the kind of person who can shoot the deer. And and uh, and 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 he says, you know what? Uh, and he tells his dad, I, you know, I, I can't do it. I don't want to do it. Uh, and uh, I'm just not strong like you. And his dad says, you know what? Uh, you told me no. Uh, that's pretty strong. And that was and that was that was a dynamic that you just don't see. They just could have went the ordinary way, you know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah. they didn't. He wasn't that guy. That's and true. then this whole movie is built around the fact that he's really not that guy. He was yeah. trained to be that guy. Yeah. Uh, and he and he and he just does what he has to do. But he's really he's really not that guy. Interesting stuff. But you know, it's payday. Well, here's here's another interesting one. A little uh, grueling little indie film, but you know, Willem Dafoe is always worth watching. Anamorph. Uh, mm. Willem Dafoe plays a detective, deeply disturbed detective, one of those really detectives who just brings his work home and uh, trying to catch a killer. And uh, the the case just gets darker and weirder and deeper. And turns out the killer has you know is is watching him while he's trying to watch the killer. It's very, it's it's you know really interesting psychological thing. It ultimately doesn't. I don't think it totally all hangs together if you think too much about it. But mm-hmm. you don't worry too much about it. Defoe is fantastic. Uh, Scott Speedman is really mm-hmm. surprisingly good, mm-hmm. and uh, I think it's a sharp little movie. Mm-hmm. Did you see One Day as a Lion? I don't think I did. 
what a great surprise this is. I, I really is. This is like, you know, there are a lot of these kind of faux Tarantino wannabe films, mm-hmm. and this is kind of one of them. But it's, uh, I really thoroughly enjoyed this. It's a fantastic vehicle for Scott Kahn, who wrote it mm-hmm. and basically wrote it for himself. But it's, um, it's about a guy. Look, Frank's in it. Frank Grillo. Frank Grillo's so good. I mean, yeah. he's so good. And he's, you know, he's back to being like that, that ruthless criminal guy. I mean, he's the heavy in this thing. But, but it's, it's so quirky and so fascinating. Basically, um, Scott Kahn is a, he's a reluctant hitman. He's not an assassin, but he's doing this basically to satisfy a debt. And mm-hmm. he just, he can't bring himself to do it or to do it right. And, um, you know, he's supposed to kill J.K. Simmons, who's this like, you know, almost this crazy urban cowboy guy. Um, and, you know, Frank Grillo's the Frank Grillo's the heavy. He's going you know, to make him do it. If they, he doesn't do it, then they're going to kill him. And, you know, the, the, the mechanics of, you know, the hit don't really make sense. If you're going to kill the guy that you hired to kill somebody else, then why didn't you go kill the person in the first place? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, you, you know, there's just too, there, there are too many steps between ex- killing the person that you need to kill. It's just like a hit is not supposed to be that complicated, but if you can get over that, um, Khan's character is so fascinating. And, uh, he, he, you know, he takes a hostage, this waitress, and that becomes a relationship and a thing and her mom. And there's all this stuff going on. And, you know, it's very kind of blood simply. It's very kind of, um, uh, Tarantino-y in some mm-hmm. respects. It's it, it's a it's a sharp little movie, and I give Scott Con all the credit in the world for a script that is unusual. It's genre, but yet it's very very of its own thing. And he wrote it for himself, and it's not vain. I re- and you know this is one of those grindstone movies again that we make fun of, but yeah. this one is really sharp. Now, hey, look, J.K. Simmons, yeah, Virginia Madsen, yeah, Tara Manning. You know, there's some weight. There's some weight in there. Virginia Madsen plays the mom. She's yeah. so good. She's so good. Uh, Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda have just you know, they they just got to stop it. They they, they, <laughs> they, they they this thing that they they're doing this shtick. It's dead. Uh, for Brady. It. Yeah. Moving, moving on. Yeah. What, what can you say? I don't know. Did you see this? Uh, well, you know, what are you going to do? And, you know, and, uh, and who, uh, Sally Field and Sally Field. Yeah, right? well, yeah. Not in this one. This is this is just the two of them together. Oh. Uh, Paul White's wrote it. Who's a better writer than, than this? But I mean, it's just that, you know, they're just kind of they're overdoing it. And I don't know that you can yeah. rein the two of them in, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they're, it's just a, it's a shtick that they're doing. It's an old lady shtick. And, <laughs> you know, Malcolm McDowell is along for the ride and oh, right, Richard yeah. Roundtree shows up here for some reason. Uh, I don't really know what the point is. Um, he, he deserves a better movie, but anyway, there it is. You know, if you, if you want to watch the two of them kind of do their, their thing and, by all means, go for it. Magic Mike's Last Dance. That was that 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 was that was surprisingly good. It was, wasn't it? Uh, you know, and uh, and 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 and, and, and uh, as opposed to the second one, which I thought was, you know, oh yeah, uh, the first one was very good. And but Soderbergh came back for this one. Yeah, and 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 what's good about it is because he knew to sort of wrap this thing back around to the first one, so that we can wrap up Mike's yeah. journey here. Yeah. You know, and and uh, and, uh, and 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 you 
you know, he sort of didn't make a joke of it. It's kind of serious. And while still being a film that's, you know, very, um, uh, it understands that we are here for the ladies. Uh, Selma Hayek has just wanted to hire him to give her a special dance. Yeah. Yes. And, 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 and he winds up be basically choreographing a big Broadway, a big uh, West End show in London. Um, goes from being a stripper to choreographing a show. Let me tell you my analogy. Mm-hmm. Magic. Forget about the second film. Just erase that from the mm-hmm. Magic Mike's Last Dance is to Magic Mike as Staying Alive is to Saturday Night Fever. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. It I is. It. it is. And I am very forgiving of Staying Alive, which I still think is Stallone's best directing effort. And uh, for all the flack that that film takes for for its, you know, very 80s-ness, I actually think it's a really fun film. I think it's a whole lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, Cocaine Bear, dude. Uh, that was nuts. Elizabeth Bass just nuts, uh, that movie. I talked about this on the radio. Christy loved it. Uh, I hated this movie. I think it's <laughs> that was just that was just That was just nuts. Great CGI. Yeah, I mean, but Ray Liotta, is this literally his last film or is his second to last? Uh, good question. I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, well, there's you know, Carrie Russell. Um, basically, basically, here's the thing. They, they, they go based in real events. I hate it when they do that now. Here are the real events. Uh, somebody lost some cocaine, dumped out of an airplane, mm. and um, apparently a bear got into it at some point. That's mm-hmm. it. That's literally that's all. That's all of it. That's, that's in all. this movie, the bear goes on a rampage and is like eating people and tearing people apart. And the and it's supposed to be gory and it's supposed to be funny. And it just it it just goes so far off the rails. It really does. Yeah. At a certain point, it's just it's too much. Uh, it's just too much. I know it thinks it's being funny. Anyway, it's the maximum rampage edition. Oh, I, whatever. Yeah. There isn't even maximum extras on it. It's just you know, it's got movies anywhere code. If that matters to anybody. Oh, let's see. Eighty for Brady. Speaking of you know, there. Yeah, that's Lily cool. Tomlin and Lily that's Tomlin and Jane Fonda again. All of them. All of them. Rita yeah. Moreno and Sally Field and actual Tom Brady. Four old ladies got a thing for Tom Brady, and that's which basically. is also based on the true story, as as I understand it. You yeah. know, yeah, uh, you yes. know, who knows? I mean, it's just it's one of these you know old age wish fulfillment things. I just think these actresses deserve something better. Anyway, it's on Blu-ray if you want to see it. Uh, let's see what else we have here. Uh, Roland Emmerich uh, executive produced this. He did not direct it, but it it sort of has shades of his sensibilities all over. It's called The Magic Flute. Mm. It's got a great cast. Uh, F. Murray Abraham and uh, you know Asha Banks and you know some, uh, Amir Wilson. I mean, it's a it's a good solid little cast. Kind of um. Sort of uh, Harry Potter esque mm. thing going on here. It's it's the Mozart All Boys Music School, and uh, there's a there's a uh, there's like the library at the school is some kind of a, a stargate that has connects with you know the magic flute, uh, the the Mozart opera, and um, it, it becomes like kind of this weird musicalized classic ver- classical version of Alice in Wonderland, or maybe the Chronicles of Narnia. I'm not quite sure which is like like most things Roland Emmerich has his fingers on. It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Mm. 
Um, but I guess, you know, for certain for certain set that wants its Harry Potter derivation, it's scratched. It's meaningful. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you see Jesus Revolution? I did not. It's really good. It's really good. Like I go on radio and I routinely will rip on on faith based films, not mm-hmm. because they're faith based, but because they're all the same. Yeah, well, very often. Yeah. It, well, it's a formula. It's like yeah. somebody's got a dead end life as an athlete or a rock star or something, and then somebody close to them says, "Well, have you found Jesus?" And they go, <laughs> yeah, you're, "You're some kind of Jesus freak." And then they find Jesus, and their life improves, and they <laughs> lose their career, but they gain happiness. End of story. Yeah. And they're all, that's like all of them. That's yeah. the trajectory in all of them. Yeah. And that's not this. This is a really good movie. Yeah. Um, they, they went, they decided to tell a story for a change, which I think is fantastic. So this is, this is. Good from, too. Kelsey Grammer, Kim, uh, Kimberly Williams. This Kimberly is a Williams real, Bay this is legit real movie. Yeah. This is from basically the Irwin brothers. Um, and in this case, John Irwin, they've, they've been kind of a force in making the faith-based genre more legit getting real actors real mm. production value mm. real money so this is all about that moment in the 70s when evangelicalism was suddenly infused with a hippie element mm-hmm. and there were there was a there was a movement of hippies all kind of centered around this one particular preacher and they 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 merged with the kind of waning moment of old evangelicals and it created a whole new explosion in the 70s. And it's mm. a really fascinating thing. And there are some very famous evangelists who came out of this. And it's it's this is based on the book um, written by Greg Laurie, who was one of them. He was like this young kid and he was the thing. And, and he eventually became a very famous evangelist because he came out of this moment. This was where he kind of found himself hmm. and um, big. Anyway, you know, um, uh, Chuck Smith is the other big pastor that's played by Kelsey Grammer. Chuck Smith was the guy who was trying to figure out a way to sort of make his Christianity relevant mm-hmm. to young kids and, Suddenly, you know, this crazy, you know, hippie guy comes in and says, hey, man, you know, let's let's just love everybody. And next thing you know, it's like flower children showing up and revivals. And it's a really fascinating moment because I lived through this. This was all here in Southern California. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, It was a big moment here. And I remember those hippies on the side of the road holding up the signs, you know, Jesus loves you. It's like, are you hitchhiking? Nope. Just want everybody to know Jesus loves you. Okay. It was, it was, it was. Uh, it, 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 this came after it, but but uh, it was the same sort of ethos, yeah, that came out of uh, what was that? There? Yeah, Jesus Christ Superstar. Yeah, very uh, much. Was, so. Yeah, True. you know, kind of a little bit yeah. of bizarre. But what is that sort of thing that was going on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, really, really a quite a good movie, and it and it's 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 warts and all. You know, it is warts and all. It really uh, the, these are these are well rounded characters. A really fascinating story. Um, living with oh, uh, Bill Nye. I really loved that movie. And, I yeah, did too. Yeah, it was. I, I thought it was just lovely. Uh, you know, um, uh, who is it? Yeah, it's it's uh, by way of Kurosawa. If I'm not yes, mistaken. it's 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 based on uh, on a Kurosawa film. Yeah, it's um, actually based on I I, I think a Russian Ikiru. Ikiru yeah. is the Kurosawa film it's based yeah. on, and but it's but it's its own thing. I mean, what I love yeah. about this, and it's and it's uh, it was written by Kazuo Ishiguro, who wrote the novel that. Uh, 
of remains of the day. And, mm. you know, Ishiguro himself is a, is a fascinating bridge between these cultures because he is, you know, um, of Japanese extraction, but, mm. you know, raised in England. So he's very, very much, British, very, British, very British. Yeah. So he's the perfect guy. You know, I mean, remains of the day. If you look at it, I, one of my favorite films of all time, it is one of them. It is the most British of British films written by a Brit of Japanese extraction mm -hmm. adapted by Ruth Parjabvala, who's mm -hmm. German mm -hmm. uh, and directed by James Ivory, who's American and produced by Ismail Merchant, who's mm -hmm. Indian. Mm -hmm. There are no Brits involved in that thing <laughs> other than the cast. Yeah. But it's so British. And Ishiguro is this guy who can look at Akiru and say, you know what? That very Japanese film is also very English. Mm -hmm. And next thing you know, you have this wonderful Bill Nye movie. And it is, I just think it's, it's one of the great performances of last year. And maybe oh, he was nominated. Um, um, he was. He was lovely, which was wonderful for him to be nominated. He, he never had a shot. Uh, but I thought it was lovely for him to be nominated. It's a beautiful film too, by the way. Um, uh, you know, this great story uh, yeah. about this guy who's, who, who finds out that he doesn't have long left uh, and, and realizes that he hasn't spent much of his life, quote unquote, yeah. living yeah. Uh, and, uh, and, and kind of, and kind of goes for it. He fixes his sights on doing this one particular thing in this, in this community. I love that setting of uh, uh, you know, London in the like fifties or something like that. Yeah. I think the fifties. And you know, so it's like post-war, uh, but it's before the sort of British pop thing, all the, all the men is that, it's that moment where the men are, are switching from wearing bowlers to wearing Hamburg and fedoras yeah yeah uh you know uh, but, but at the beginning of it everybody's still wearing bowlers and uh, and those really really wonderful set pieces and conversations it was just a beautiful film it was a score that's just absolutely magnificent i love the score um of, of that film so yeah living check that one out got uh, a steel book of the shutter film vhs 99 vhs goes to hell uh too many people too many people they don't don't even know what vhs is anymore uh but uh you know this is uh this is this is not bad it's um it it's kind of a how oh, an homage of sorts to a certain kind of VHS slasher film. Mm. And, uh, you know, the, the VHS was like the, the gritty people who could get hold of a VHS camcorder could, you know, make their own movies for the first time at a time when that was just like the most novel thing in the world. And those camcorders were, you know, dude, they were the size of a backpack. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was ridiculous. But I go back know. to the ones where there were two pieces. You had the camera piece and then that oh, was yeah. to the cassette piece, which I was, which, which was wired. And then of course, you know, somebody had the idea of, uh, you figured out a, Combine those together it was just this one big ass camera. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, all that. Yeah. Well, I mean, these are you know these are five little films all tacked together, and uh, it's it's an anthology. It's it's a little bit like Creepshow, but it's it's low budget and it's it's a it's a fun throwback. It really mm -hmm. is. So it's you know Shutter is right to to is the right home for something like this, and it's on uh, Steelbook, and uh, it's it's a whole lot of fun. It's good fun. Uh, not so fun. Sixty five with Adam Driver. Mm, uh, yeah, yeah, that did not work at all. That hit, that hit, that hit the wall hard. Oh man, did it ever? Yeah, and and it's from the writing team who did uh, Quiet Place, mm. um, crashing back down to earth here. What you know? I mean, there's something kind of um, uh, how would I put it? I mean, it's not. It's it's a little like it's it's somebody wanted to smash a little bit of Jurassic Park with a little bit of Predator. 
Mm. That's fair to say. Well, yeah, well, with, with, with maybe a dash of uh, what was it, um, the, the Kelton Heston. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, first Planet of the Apes. First Planet. Of the, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Or, 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 or the, the one where he's um, the Richard Matheson uh, yeah. uh, Legends or whatever. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, anyway, mm. anyway. Uh, let's see. Let's let's wrap it up here. Uh, mm. Let me see. Renfield. How about Renfield? Man, oh man, oh man, oh man, oh man. Uh, yeah, yeah. Look, Nick Cage was having a whole lot of fun playing yeah. sort of Dracula. Uh, Nicholas Holt, uh, as you know, Retro, uh, yeah. and and he gets these. He's imbued with powers whenever he eats those bugs, and, and yeah. then he can go out and he can do basically superhero stuff. So it's a way that you can they they figured out a way to create a superhero uh, within the Dracula uh, myth and lore. Yeah, uh, and, uh, and 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 they make it. They basically make it a uh, dysfunctional relationship between Renfield and Dracula. Yeah, and then, and then you got uh, you, you running around, and you all, it's just you know the police. Department's all creative, and look, this movie is so gory. Uh, that's that's what. See, I didn't see it, but people tell told me that it's just so 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 gory. And and, and this is new thing that they can do uh, that they've been doing in all of the uh, sort of horror television shows, where they can basically blow uh, you know an organic uh, you know a person, a cow, whatever it, it yeah. is, you can just blow it into a just into all the pieces. They do it on Stranger Things all the time, so that you know everything is just coated with the bits and pieces. So they they do it like ten times yeah. in this movie. Uh, you know, I'm like, okay, I get it. I get it. You can realistically blow somebody up, yeah. <laughs> but you really, you really only need to do that once. If ever in a movie, they do it like 10 times in this movie. And it's, uh, you know, yeah. come on guys, come on. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, and then one other new movie here, and then I'll just, uh, take mm. us into some criterions real fast. Guy Ritchie's the covenant, Hello? Jake Gyllenhaal yeah. and yeah. Uh, kind of a Gulf war, thing you know uh he's got a translator and he's got to save the the afghan translator's life to get him out and you know it's a whole brotherhood thing it, not much of a guy Ritchie movie to be honest it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like a guy Ritchie movie it's it's not bad i don't know yeah i don't know that was, that was, look yeah, I, jake made uh jarhead adaptation yeah. of that way back at the, you know you're early in his career back there so you know he already had one of these so i yeah. you know i don't really i don't really know what he's yeah yeah well uh so we also real quickly from arrow we've got uh a box set of as long as we're talking about vhs they've got a a very strange box set of of it's called arrow uh the uh, um, arrow videos open till 11 p.m. box set and it's a bunch of it's a bunch of bunch of vhs kind of uh 80s era vhs era movies that i guess they have in the library and they couldn't figure out how to make money off them so they all threw them into one box set it's the dungeon master dolls Mm. cellar dweller arena and robot jocks (laughs) <laughs> and robot jocks actually yeah. like, i love robot jocks and cell drill <laughs> i think i reviewed robot jocks back in the day early 90s right but yeah they're all thrown together in one box set and they make no sense together no at sense all. at all uh so anyway really quickly then criterion has an unbelievably great set of of stuff uh first off we have medicine for melancholy which is barry jenkins uh this kind of amazing debut feature from 2008 most people have not seen this but if you want to know 
where Moonlight came from. Mm. This will show you. This is a this is a great directing debut. This is really it's low budget, but man, it's really poetic and it's just wonderfully wonderfully put together. A lot of great extras on here. Audio commentary where he just goes and you know really lays it on the line. Um, we've also got The Servant, which I recently picked up in 4K oh, yeah. from the UK, but a nice Blu-ray from Criteria nonetheless of the Joseph Losey film uh, from 1963. Really kind of a seminal classic. Beautiful black and white. Uh, Jean Renoir's Rules of the Game on 4K. Genius film. Amazing uh, movie from 1939. Kind of opened up French cinema to the world in the sound yeah. era. Really great. Tons and tons and tons of extras. Uh, you, you've got to upgrade for this. It's really great in 4K. And then Time Bandits in 4K. Terry Gilliam classic. Beautiful lenticular cover. Uh, also loaded with extras. Really fun stuff. Uh, audio commentary with Gilliam and Michael Palin and John Cleese is fantastic. Really, really great. A lot of fun. Uh, and the movie totally holds up because it's not CGI effects. It's all practical effects. Yep. Terry liked the bill stuff. He did. And then uh, lastly, Pasolini 101, which is nine Pasolini films, not including Solo, very wisely, because mm. that disgusts people. <laughs> but uh, these are these are nine great Pasolini films that establish him really as one of the great Italian visionaries of that moment. A very troubled figure, if you know anything mm. about his life oh, yeah. and his death. Oh, yeah. Kind of like the... The Italian Fassbender in some respects. Yeah. But uh, the films are Akatoni, Mama Roma, Love Meetings, The Gospel According to Matthew, which is really fantastic. It's a, a Jesus biopic uh, done from a very political perspective. The Hawks and the Sparrows, Oedipus Rex, Teorama, which is wonderful, Porcile, and Medea. Uh, so, you know, get your Pasolini on. He's a, he's a controversial figure, but really worth checking out. So. Didn't, uh, I think Willem Dafoe played him in something. He did. He did recently. Recently, yeah. Yeah. That, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Abel Farrar. Rod Mile pick. Yeah, Abel Farrar. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, we'll be back in a few weeks. Yeah. I think I'm looking at your TV back there. You got Godzilla on. <laughs> Absolutely. On. Absolutely. That's, that's probably common or something like that. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, right. Outstanding. All right, everybody. See you next time. Next time. Thank you.